This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Stairs are a big problem when it comes to accessibility. You could argue they're the most basic obstacle when it comes to making a space more accessible. Stairs will never be fully phased out as the world becomes more inclusive, but stairs themselves could be designed better. Alberta community reporter Anna Kim has some beef with stairs. Hey, good morning, Anna. Good morning. Uh, Anna, I also have some beef with stairs, but what have you been dealing with when it comes to uh, staircases and stairwells? I have been dealing with so many things, my goodness. It started as a child when we had a stair in our house and it was just one step from the living room to the dining room. Oh my goodness, I would trip down that thing at least once a day, at least. (laughs) And it was something as simple as with no depth perception and the flooring being exactly the same, there was no indicator for me to understand where exactly the stair was. And you know, as a little four-year-old child, you don't quite understand spatial awareness, and especially as a blind four-year-old child, it, it doesn't quite register that there could be a stair there like there was, you know, five minutes ago. And then it kind of, you know, as I've gotten older, has increased to being much more aware of, well, stairs on sidewalks, concrete stairs specifically. Oh, I yeah. despise with all my soul. And wooden stairs like on decks because the the slats are exactly the same and they're all the same color same tone same width it just looks like it's a continuation of the deck and it doesn't look like there's a stair there so i've had my fair share of bumps and bruises from falling off those Anna, you are identifying something that i feel so deeply as well which is a real lack of indicators whether they be visual right you see some that are maybe uh, uh like aggressively like the bright yellow lines at the edge of steps and sometimes you get some that are a little bit more subtle but you also get a lack of tactile markers and again you have to be a little bit careful you don't want to put uh too many bumps on a stair because that might affect somebody else who has a balance issue, but I will say, Anna, as someone who has to wander around and does a lot of traveling, the number of times you encounter steps that are of varying sizes and at weird angles with each other that aren't marked at all and there's no handrails to hang on to, it's disaster waiting to happen. And and I'm getting old here. I only have so many hit points left if I fall anymore. Luckily, me being a young, agile teenager, I still got a, a couple more you know, falls that I can take. But I 100% agree. That whole mismatched stair thing, oh, it just drives me nuts. And it sometimes gets to the point where you know, I, I take my foot and I kind of kick on the stair before I, I lift my foot up to make sure that you know, I will not or I'll be able to, to lift my foot high enough so that I won't trip or... Um, especially walking down those types of stairs and with no handrail, it poses a major problem. Yeah, I, I I may have gobbled up a little bit of your information there, but when it comes to features to make standards a little bit more inclusive to stairs, what are some of your preferences? Personally, um, as a basic indicator, something as simple as, yes, a line. I mean, my school 
bless their heart, attempted to make the stairs more accessible after it, having a couple discussions with me. And they decided to put just electrical tape on the edges of the stairs to attempt to indicate them. Now, I have my issues with that because it's a little bit more of a hazard because then it rubs off and it doesn't stay. So it was a half-assed effort, but it was an effort, right? Yeah. Something as simple as an indicator to let you know, hey, there's stairs here. And then with no depth perception and the inability to gauge distance or size, there's times where I come up to a set of stairs, but I can't tell how far away they are and they blend into the floor. So I do, I don't know if you do, but I do like a whole like foot out in front of me, make sure that I don't trip over the first step. Um, I look a little funky trying to make sure that, you know, I, I get that first step there. So something as simple as, yeah, a, a tactile indicator to say, hey, this is the first step coming up. Oh, it's Anna, not, Anna I, I, I am I am Mr. Experiment with my feet very, very <laughs> slowly on any stair that I encounter. Uh, I, I, I generally walk at a decent pace, but as soon as you throw any kind of stair into the mix, this guy is just Mr. Tentative, look, looking like a ballet, like a ballet dancer tapping my toe uh, one step below me. Right. And I mean, there are some places that have good ideas for indicators like West Edmonton Mall here. Uh, on Bourbon Street, they have, you know, it's a great design and it's it's gorgeous, but they have almost reflective flooring, tile flooring. And the stairs that they have have lights underneath them. And, like, you want to talk about whole ballerina situation? That is me going up to those stairs. And I have a horrible mentality of, oh, I wasn't able to do this next time, but maybe something changed. Oh, no. Time I try and and try those stairs to say maybe I can do it this time, but with the reflective flooring. Now this is only at, at West Ed that I find, but with the reflective flooring and then with the lights underneath, it makes it look like there's extra steps. Yes. So that's a type of indication that I I can't deal with. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> like there's a big difference between contrast and overkill, and I think what you're describing there is overkill. You've made the contrast too complex that it ends up becoming uniformed it, exactly and i mean you know it's a design thing i'm i'm they do have a ramp there for accessibility which i appreciate i just like to think that i'm superwoman and can <laughs> achieve it even though i didn't last time uh, <laughs> but you know the the design was there and sometimes design elements don't quite fit into that accessibility area too yeah and that's what that is. But, you know, I, I'd i like to think that next time that I go to West Ed, down to Bourbon Street, that I can do it all over again, you know, ideally. Ah, uh, the hubris, the hubris of youth. I appreciate it <laughs> uh, greatly. Okay, let's go from interior design to the great outdoors. Going for a hike is by far one of the best fall activities, and there are no shortages of trails across Alberta, but you want to highlight Gates Lake Sanctuary. What makes this sanctuary so special? This sanctuary, it, for one, it's in downtown Red Deer, and you would not know it. And it is the oldest Alberta migratory bird sanctuary that there is. And so, you know, it, now, it being winter, it's you know, maybe there won't be any fun birds there. But definitely in the spring and summer, you get to walk through and listen to all the birds chirping, and there's animals everywhere. It's over 300 acres of just wildlife, and you're able to 
waltz through it you know look at the the natural beauty of alberta all within the downtown red deer area which i find absolutely insane i love that i love when you can get nature and urban to mesh with one another in a really meaningful way like that but it Anna, it's not just that you can go for a cool hike. How is the sanctuary creating immersive experiences? They have this really neat program that you can go into, and it's where someone takes you outside uh, with, with a group, and you all sit amongst the trees, sit amongst the nature, and you just listen. You listen to those birds. You listen to the animals. If there's snow falling, you know, you can, you can hear snow fall, and you just take those moments and really sit in nature. And then after you are able to immerse yourself there, they take you inside and they have all these special kind of instruments that, that you can use to try and create those sounds and recreate them. And I find, especially for someone who's visually impaired, it's a great thing to be included within a group and have everyone really take the time to lighten or heighten their other senses right their their hearing and even their sense of touch right in that in that nature setting and then to be able to go back as a group and attempt to recreate those sounds i think is a very neat process that's really making a lifelong experience there right it's not just saying oh i appreciated some bird sounds and you move on it's no let's try to actually go make this into some kind of meaningful memory what an awesome idea what a great concept by the folks at the park brilliant right yeah okay well let's say you've gotten a little bit of a taste from making your own bird sound music your nature sound music you might think okay Let's connect with professional musicians and professional artistic culture. The Alberta Ballet is putting on performances of The Sleeping Beauty. There's going to be shows in Calgary and Edmonton. Why these musical performances jump out to you? My mom did a fantastic job of making me a fan of the arts and appreciating it. And I love and hate her for it because... They are a beautiful experience. Um, a, a, my first experience with ballet was in the Nutcracker, and we just happened to be in the very back of the Jubilee Auditorium to the point where, you know, you could lean back and touch both walls. And so wow. with, with that being my first experience, I was able to see, you know, very pretty, bright, dancing blobs. They were nice-looking dots. But I was able to really immerse myself in that music. And that's why I love the ballet, because it's not necessarily only a visual thing. It is very much a auditory. You listen to the music. The music has drama and attitude. And I mean, it's one of the best things to be able to follow a storyline with the music. And if you have a friend there to kind of describe what's going on, it's even better. But with with that lovely you know flow and and waver of the the trumpets or the violins or whatever is going on it really allows you to immerse yourself into the story without actually seeing it and that's why i love the ballet i don't know about you and your ballet dancing skills <laughs> i'm not exactly a pro with the pirouettes anna but i will say this uh, what you're describing in regard to ballet is where i feel about musical theater my parents when i was growing up really got me into musical theater and similar to you in a lot of cases it was just blobs dancing on stage as a legally blind person but you just yeah. fall in love with the music and the singing and it's just 
it's special. Like there, there's almost, in my mind, there are very few ways to spend a Friday or Saturday night out on the town that are as special as going to the theater. I agree, 100%. So what are the need to know details about the performances? Because there's shows in Calgary and Edmonton. There are. So it's put on by the Alberta Jubilee, so the, the Jubilee Center in Calgary and then the one in Edmonton. Calgary is Thursday, October 26th, and or Saturday, sorry. There's Thursday to Saturday, October 26th to 28th, at, and it starts at 7.30 p.m. And then Edmonton's is, from, is on Saturday, November 2nd, and then to the 4th, also starting at 7.30 p.m. You can contact the actual Jubilee Center to talk about accessibility and what can, what can be done there um, through their website. I was able to contact them a little bit, and we're in discussions about what can happen in regards to accessibility. I mean, going to the theater, as much as I love the music and everything, dark theaters, not fun. They mm. also have stairs, not really well indicated. <laughs> stairs are everywhere. You can't get away from them. <laughs> I like I like how you closed the loop on that one. Uh, and Anna, a lot of uh, a lot of contact information is going to go up on our website, our blog after the show, ami.ca/now, ami.ca/now. So Anna, in the meantime, I wish you well in your endeavors to connect with stairs, nature, and culture, and talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Talk to you later. <laughs> That's Anna Kim, community reporter based in Wetaskiwin, Alberta. And again, the blog post uh, with more of that contact information about the park in Red Deer or the ballet performances in Calgary or Edmonton will go up on the blog after the show, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. In one minute, Amanda Shikarchi will have the entertainment report. But first, the smartwatch marketplace is getting pretty crowded so where does Fitbit fit? Mike Dubusky explores that question in Tech Trends. Android authorities C. Scott Brown says Fitbit's Sense and Versa watches used to be competitive with other Android smartwatches. They had apps, they had app stores. The, the app store was very limited, but they existed. Uh, you could connect to Wi-Fi. There were a lot of things about them that were very much in the smartwatch realm. That is until Google acquired the company a few years ago. Right after Google bought them, the, the watches that came out from Fitbit afterwards had been completely demoted and they were basically just glorified fitness trackers with all the smartwatch features basically removed. Brown says the company's smartwatch technology has started showing up in Google's own wearable efforts like the new Pixel Watch 2, which means... What we're going to see from Fitbit going forward is a much more laser-focused product portfolio that's just on fitness trackers and other health-related things. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Amanda Shikarchi, there's a whole bunch of content dropping on Netflix. Thanks, Dave. Yes, October is a very exciting month for Netflix. So here are the shows to look out for and movies as well. So... There is The Conference, which is a horror film about a team-building conference where participants are executed one by one. There's also a reality show called Surviving Paradise, where contestants have to move from the wilderness into a luxurious villa. 
Beckham is a four-part documentary series about David Beckham's life as a soccer player. So, Dave, I want to pose this question to you. What is your favorite Netflix original of all times? Oh, okay. This is easy. This is easy. BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman was one of the most brilliant animated series that I've ever seen in my life that on World Mental Health Day explored a lot of concepts of addiction and mental health and happiness in a way that was so complex but so digestible that I don't think anyone will ever do as good a job as BoJack Horseman did in exploring that subject matter while still making me laugh extremely frequently. So I think BoJack Horseman is far and away the absolute best series that Netflix has done, but they've done some really good other stuff in the animated space, Amanda. I'm a huge fan of Big Mouth and Human Resources, um, shows that explore sort of love and relationships and puberty uh, through the eyes of both teenagers and hormones. Uh, I just think it's like incredibly, incredibly done. It's uh, quite crass, but I enjoy crass humor, so that works for me. Uh, in terms of some of their more serious stuff, I mean, I really liked the first couple seasons of House of Cards, but I think we're not allowed to talk about how much we liked that show anymore, so maybe we'll leave that one uh, to the side as well. But Amanda, what about you? What are your favorite Netflix originals? All right, I will have to say Stranger Things. So That's a good even one. If it's, <laughs> even if you're not into horror, I feel like it's a worth watch because I feel like they dive into the story with, you know, the 80s theme, the characters, but also the relationships and friendships that you see in this show really is what caused me to press play and the weight on this show and the soundtrack, of course. I cannot forget to give a shout out to the incredible classic songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, they um, they, they did not mess around with music on that show, that's for sure. They, that, that was a huge part of its success. And there were songs like, uh, like Running Up That Hill that had massive resurgences thanks to uh, Stranger Things. I agree for sure. And also they had a material girl in season three, which was really like the scene it was paired with was very iconic too. So very, very great soundtrack. <laughs> uh, so Amanda, you explained this, uh, the conference, a horror film about uh, employees going to a work conference and being executed one by one. I I've been to a couple of those where execution would have been better than attending the rest of the conference. Amanda, thank you for this. Talk to you later for the news quiz. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, nothing like mandatory optional team building at a work conference. Oh, yes, so much fun. Coming up after the break, it's the Regional News Update, and Brock Richardson has some statistics about the Major League Baseball playoffs. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.